the more you get to scale, the more streamlined you can you can make things because now you have the 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 ability to add above store GNA. And what that allows you to do now is is kind of begin working on the business more than in the business. And I think that's really what, you know, um, really helps, you know, whether it's, you know, the actual franchisee uh, who's looking to grow and, and for the brand as well. Because, you know, as they continue to build out their infrastructure and, and um, you know, have more boots on the ground, whether it's multi-unit managers, whether it's they're getting large enough to bring on a development person in-house, right, whether they're... Um, getting large enough to bring a marketing person, it actually allows us to work even more, I'd say, in, you know, hand in hand, because now there's a there's a dedicated resource that we can work with in terms of development that doesn't have to take the actual ops person or the or the franchisee themselves away from making sure the existing business is, is running at, at you know top notch um, in that. So I, I, for me, I think in in most brands, the bigger scale you get to the the I don't want to say the easiest, but it allows you to actually build out the functions and, you know, put the right people in place who are the subject matter experts to, to help um, make it a more efficient scaling process. Welcome to the Art of Franchise Marketing. Each episode takes a deep dive into the franchise space and explores how the biggest and best brands handle national branding, franchise development, employee recruitment, and localized marketing on a daily basis. This podcast is brought to you by Nedsertive, a localized digital marketing partner for franchise networks. Nedsertive's Madeline Park talks shop with franchise executives to discuss what's working, what's not, and answers the question, what else can you be doing to excel at the art of franchise marketing? Hey everyone, welcome back to the art of franchise marketing. Today, super excited, it's our first time second time guest. <laughs> so we've got Jonathan Massey on who's previously with Yum Brands and Pizza Hut um, and currently now has made the move over to Wingstop. Jonathan, thank you for joining. For people who might not have listened to the first episode, I think that was like a couple years ago. Um, yeah. Give us kind of a little background into who you are and your experience in franchising. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, no, it's, 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 it's cool. It's a cool uh, distinction to be the the first second time guest. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing the first one went fairly well. So. Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> you know, uh, man, my name is Jonathan Massey. I'm the director of franchise development uh, for Wingstop. Um, I've been in really this space my entire career. I uh, started out in, uh, in the R under the RBI umbrella with Burger King. Uh, spent some time in training, franchise ops, field marketing, company ops. Um, spent time with Krispy Kreme. Took a little bit of a pivot, uh, worked with a data analytics company uh, for about a year and a half, and then switched back over, back into this industry with Yum Brands under the Pizza Hut umbrella and franchise development, franchise recruiting, um, led our non-traditional business um, as well for a while, and then most recently, about a year, a little over a year ago, joined, uh, joined Wingstop uh, as well, you know, leading franchise growth uh, for the eastern part of the country. Um, new franchisees and our existing ones. So how do you think, well, first of all, I love that you are Mr. QSR. Like they, tr you tried to get out and you're like, I'm going back and I'm going back epically and I'm going back pizza. Like, so <laughs> how do you think um, your experience in different types of quick service restaurants and also, you know, your stint in data 
and and ops and all of that has played into your ability to succeed as someone in franchise development because i think a lot of times people assume oh franchise development as long as you're a good salesperson you'll be fine and that's just simply not the truth not only because these brands are enormous and we're asking people for an investment of their lifetime but also you know it's not just a corporate transaction it's there's a lot of um what scott abbott over at five star franchising calls there's a lot of squishy stuff there's a lot of emotional a lot of coaching so how do you think that plays into your success yeah, well, I think probably first and foremost, I've been with some fantastic brands um, that have, you know, years of, of perfecting what this looks like. Um, and, and I've had some great, you know, uh, leaders along the way who've been great coaches and mentors as well. So I think that's been, you know, one of the first things, you know, when I, when I think about what's helped me be successful. I think the other piece is really seeing it from different lenses, whether it's, you know, publicly traded companies, whether it's private companies, whether it's in company operations and think about how organizations think about it when when they're the ones operating versus you know when you're supporting franchisees and I think a lot of that ultimately comes to giving you not only a well-rounded perspective um, but also an understanding of the franchisees that you're interacting with or the potential franchisees that you're looking to bring aboard and so I think that's really been the biggest thing um I tried to get away from sales. Uh, I've kind of, I found myself in like sales related roles or business development my entire career. But I realized that at the end of the day, being curious and going in different parts of the business and things of that nature really just gave me a well-rounded perspective to really be able to talk to the brands that I'm, that I'm selling or, or, you know, uh, having my existing franchisees to continue to grow out. Um, and I realize that it's, it's, it's less about selling and it's more about, you know, being able to really articulate why the opportunity makes sense and then, you know, letting them come to that conclusion on their own. Yeah. And I think that that's something, a trend we've seen with, uh, you know, some of the most successful, you included franchise developers in, in, I would say across the globe is that one, it takes a brand to truly, who truly understands I guess the art of franchising to realize that you shouldn't just be placing people in seats and, you know, really pressuring them to hit these sales goals, because that's when you start bringing in the wrong types of franchisees. You're, you're getting those people that are pushy, pushy salespeople. Um, and that's just not what franchising is about. It truly is about connecting the right on, uh, entrepreneur with the right opportunity. And so I love the idea of, you know, I don't look at it as a sales role. I look at it as an opportunity to educate and connect. And, you know, ultimately when you're doing that and you have the best intentions, um, that's where people are, are more apt to be open and, and also take that risk with you. You know, I wouldn't want to take a risk with a sketchy salesperson. No, that's where you shouldn't. For sure. That's where you shouldn't. You know, and I say all the time, I was like, you know, I for sure am not a salesperson, but I think that the best people in franchising have that art of sales to them because when it comes down to it, like I'll give away anything for free. Like it freaks me out when people are like, how much does this cost? I'm like, I don't know, it's free. But uh, outside of that, I think it's really understanding that, you know, franchising puts food on the table for my kids and I will never put someone in a position, corporate or franchisee, that could potentially risk that. And so, you know, really, I think people underestimate how much franchise developers truly care about their candidates. You know, they're not looking at the commission. They're not looking at, 
I have to meet these goals by, you know, a certain date. You know, they're looking at what is the, the lifelong success of this contract? Because this isn't you purchase it and you can return it. Many times it's a decade long commitment. Yep. Yep. Um, so, you know, talk to me about, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned in the beginning, having a franchisor that understands franchising in terms of growth goals, the the life cycle of a candidate. So talk to me about Wingstop's current strategy for franchise development. Um, you know, before we hopped on live, I was talking about, I think people assume that when you're with an incredible brand such as Wingstop, they think that franchise development is easy and you just have to open the door and people come on in and people, you know, they just get this like very shiny take on it. And, you know, I'd love for you to walk us through what it really takes to become that shiny brand, because there's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of um, tough decisions that need to be made in order to even get there and also remain there. Yeah, I mean, to that point, I think the first thing you have to do is really understand the brand, where you are and where you're trying to go, because that's going to really drive who do you bring in as franchisees. Right. And, and who do you grow with that you already have? I think one of the one of the best signs of any brand and, and, you know, what we see is that the majority by far of our new development comes from our existing, we call them brand partners, our existing brand partners. And so I think that tells the story better than, than we could articulate, you know, that the brand is, is strong and it's a growing brand and it's one that, you know, people are excited about, right? Our, the people who've made the investment continue to make the investment over and over. Um, so I think that's the first piece. I think secondly is realizing where you are in your in kind of your, your journey, right? I mean, we, we just hit not too long ago uh, 2,000 restaurants, right? And so, you know, when you think about that's a that's a wonderful milestone, but we've stated that, you know, we think we could, you know, get to 4,000 in the U.S. Um, over time. And so, you know, when we think about the fact it took us 30 years roughly to get to, to 2,000 and we say, you know, we don't want it to take another 30 to get to 4,000, how do we – Take, you know, the learnings that we got from the first 2000 and, and the, all the success that we've been able to, to have, but also the lessons we've learned. And now how do we, you know, craft the path forward, you know, to the next 2000? And so, you know, I think it, it's made us think about, you know, um, who do we, you know, where do we bring in new brand partners? Um, you know, and then when we do bring them in, you know, you know, where are we bringing those, bringing them in? What does that profile of them look like, right? If, you know, it took us, 30 years to get to 2000 then how, what does that new brand partner look like that helps us get to 4000 get to 4000 um, in a significantly smaller time frame and so i think that's that's really been the biggest piece of it um, and then to that point i mean we we we're in a fortunate situation and and you know i don't want to um, discount the amount of hard work and the really disciplined um, uh, strategy execution that's come from really creating um, the brand that we have and the and the the value proposition that we that we uh, that we're able to offer. Um, but the the thing is, we're in a great position to where you know there is a lot of interest in the brand, um, and we say no a lot more than yes. Trust me. Um, and, and so it is. It's looking for the right people. You know, whether it's an internal employee or a brand partner that we're going to bring on new into the system, right, that that really represents the Wingstop way. Um, and because we're bringing someone else into the community of our of our brand partners, you know, who we're continuing to bring, you know, build cohesiveness and a, and a, and a 
great relationship with and, and you want to make sure that whoever you bring into that community is going to be someone that doesn't necessarily have to look like everybody else you brought in, but they need to add value while also um, understanding the Wingstop way and being able to, to live that in their, you know, in the way that they do it. You know, I really love that you brought up that, you know, they need to be able to fit into the community of owners. I think a lot of times we hear when talking about franchise development candidates is, oh, they have to be a right fit for their brand. And being a right fit for their brand can also be very different from the brand community. Um, so definitely taking into account not only the culture that you might put on a poster, but the culture that's internally. Because, you know, you think about, say you have a dog pack and you bring in a dog that's just not going to jive with the rest of them. Like the whole house is going to be chaos. People are going to get bit. Like it's just not, right, it's right, not good. Right. you know, you can't have right. uh, someone that's going to come in, especially if you've already have a footprint of 2000 stores, you, you put someone right in the middle of that and they start to get territorial and you know, that's going to really create waves. So not only making sure that they're coachable within the franchise, corporate side, but also with your other brand partners. Um, now, obviously with 2000 stores open, it's a lot easier to say, oh, I want to coach a thousand franchisees on their 2000 stores rather than 2000 franchisees, you know, not that there's too many cooks in the kitchen, but ultimately you would love your franchisees to expand, you know, their current, uh, market or their current location. So at what level does Wingstop put the focus more on territory expansion and location expansion with your current franchisees versus bringing in that new blood? Or is it like a 50-50? Yeah, I mean, kind of to, to the you know point we had earlier, the majority of our new store development, by and large, comes from our existing brand partners. So you know, we, we see it as important that the people who, you know, uh, are already in the brand, representing the brand, uh, made the investment to, to um, you know, continue to help us build out the brand are the ones that uh, have the opportunity to continue to grow. And so, you know, obviously we're like, you know, pretty much any other brand. We, we have our, our you know, top 25 markets that we want to make sure that we, we're fully penetrating and that on our path to 4,000, right, we'll that'll be most markets will look to continue to grow and, and, and build them out to their potential. Um, and we see the majority of that by and large with existing brand partners. You know, we think we have a great group of them um, that, you know, represent the brand well, who, you know, really, really love the brand and, um, you know, do a great job of that. And so we'll, we'll be selective and we'll be strategic in certain areas where we bring in new, uh, new brand partners, where it's necessary, where, you know, maybe, you know, we don't have an ideal existing brand partner to go into that area, but there's enough white space where it makes sense. Um, you know, so we'll we'll do that strategically. Uh, but I'd say by and large, I mean, I mean, by and large, you know, all of our new restaurant development will come from does now and will continue to come from our existing brand partners. So what does that look like when you say you've got franchisee A and they said they've got a really great existing store. They said, all right, Massey, let's do this. Like, let's open store number two or number three. What does that process look like for you guys? Because now you've taken a lot of the education, nurturing, initial conversations out of your job. But instead, mm -hmm. it's, you know, what does that look like when someone says yes you know, on, in terms of the franchise development and then getting them to the operations person. 
Yeah, I think, um, well, for us, it's, it's, it's a very collaborative process. I mean, so we'll spend time not only, you know, in sale with myself in sales, we'll connect with our real estate managers. We'll also connect with our ops team, the, you know, the RVP, RBD, franchise business consultant, to really get perspective on, you know, whether all of this makes sense. Um, and so, you know, typically it's, it's a yes. And then we'll, we'll have kind of a collaborative, sorry, collaborative call where we get all of the relevant parties, you know, together. Um, and then from there we ended up, you know, we end up doing site tours and, and really understanding the market, the area, the, the actual site in and of itself, does it make sense? And then from there, it's kind of a handoff where real estate now is helping them find the sites from there. It passes off to um, construction kind of parallel path and that ops is building the relationships, um, getting them, you know, if it's a new brand partner, getting them ready for training um, and things of that nature. Uh, but it's kind of a grand, uh, a gradual handoff from sales to real estate to construction to ops. Now, the, the million dollar question, I wonder, and I get the sense, and I don't think it's just a sense, but you guys have an incredible team of support. It sounds like you've got someone helping them out every step of the way. One of the best in the business, in my opinion. Yeah, I may be biased, but I think it's it's one of the best in the business. Right, and so my, and you know, I'll be a little transparent here, is, you know, we have four brands, certainly not at the size of Wingstop, but we've got four, I personally have four brands, and I found that every time we bring on a brand, they always say, you know, you have to understand franchising, you understand the brand, you've got to do the guerrilla marketing, I get all of that, but as I add more brands, there's just less time to go around. And it's unrealistic to say, I've brought in a new brand, I now have to ignore everything and just focus on the baby. Cause mm -hmm. you know, I've got three other kids over here going, uh, okay, I'm hungry, what's up? So, you know, how do you coach to, or coach and educate and sell around that where a franchisee might be a little nervous in terms of expanding their territory because they've got a great thing going and then all of a the sudden they're like, do I have to start this all over again? Or is it, is there within your brand, is it really more streamlined, you know, the more locations you bring on? I think that's probably the case in most brands. The more you get to scale, the more streamlined you can, you can make things because now you have the, the, the ability to add above store GNA. And what that allows you to do now is, is kind of begin working on the business more than in the business. And I think that's really what, you know, um, really helps, you know, whether it's, you know, the actual franchisee uh, who's looking to grow and, and for the brand as well. Because, you know, as they continue to build out their infrastructure and, and um, you know, have more boots on the ground, whether it's multi-unit managers, whether it's they're getting large enough to bring on a development person in-house, right, whether they're... Um, getting large enough to bring a marketing person, it actually allows us to work even more, I'd say, in, you know, hand in hand, because now there's a there's a dedicated resource that we can work with in terms of development that doesn't have to take the actual ops person or the or the franchisee themselves away from making sure the existing business is, is running at, at you know top notch um, in that. So I, I, for me, I think in in most brands, the bigger scale you get to the the I don't want to say the easiest, but it allows you to actually build out the functions and, you know, put the right people in place who are the subject matter experts to, to help um, make it a more efficient scaling process. 
So you're telling me I scaled too fast. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Honestly, Maybe it's diversified too fast. Yeah, that. I mean, honestly, I do every. I, like, I don't think anything through. Let's be real. So I, I tell my kids all the time. My family, no more kids, no more brands, and I always end up with one more. And it's. You're like, like Maddie. How do you do it? I was like, my life is chaos. I don't know what to tell you. So. And you, you say subject matter matter expert, and I'm about to go to my local franchisee and be like, if you need a wing expert, I got you. <laughs> because I was telling you before, like, I think we have wings up minimum once a week here. Like, yes. that's you, we are just living in chaos and wings for days. I that's love just it. What we do. I love so it. So on, on it. that, obviously it's in your name. How do you guys make sure you know, from the top level down, from you guys all the way down to your operations partner, that you guys are continuing to evolve. I think a lot of what makes franchising go nuts these days is different modalities, adding products and services. So where do you guys stand on that? Because it's similar to Mosquito and Tick in that that's in the name. So it's not mm -hmm. like Wingstop can go out and be like, we just made the best buffalo cake you've ever seen. Like, so where <laughs> do you guys land on that when your franchisees might be, you know, saying, well, how do we compete? What's next? Because QSR, man, that is the most competitive space you can be in. Yeah, it is. It is. I think, you know, for us, we, we, found, we found what works, right? And so, you know, what we try to avoid is overcomplicating things, right? The fact that... You know, we have wings, we have boneless wings, we have sandwiches, we have tenders. I mean, that's fries and, and that's that's really it. I think where we're able to continue to diversify is in flavor. And so that's where we really lean in our innovation is in flavor and, and sauces and, and, and rubs and things of that nature that allow us to be creative. Um, but it also allows us to be versatile as well. So any any flavor that you can get your wings or tenders in, you can also get the sandwich in, right? And so we've been able to, to create 12 chicken sandwiches without any more complexity than actually just adding the, the the actual sandwich itself because all of the flavors are already in the in the store. And so, you know, we, we lean on flavor versus trying to overcomplicate menu. I love that. So I was talking to CEO of Uno's Pizzeria mm -hmm. the other day and I said, because they're going international and I'm like, how much do you have to flex your brand and offerings when you go international, because there's, you know, there's a lot of culture differences. And he said, you know, a lot of times it's less about the product, but more about what you're putting on the product. So if mm -hmm. we're in Peru, it's probably not going to be, you know, pepperoni and cheese. It's going to be whatever they have locally. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's guinea pig meat. I'm not saying who knows putting guinea pig on their pizzas, but that's, you know, I was in Peru and I had a guinea pig. So that's my example there. But, you know, it's, it's very similar to what you're saying is it's it's less about changing the staple and more about flexing and being innovative within that vertical, which I think is super important to note. And a, a lot of brands are probably taking notes now because it doesn't have to be extreme. It can be small pivots that make, you know, all the difference. So Absolutely. I'm going to ask the million dollar question and you don't have to be specific, but people probably are wondering that when you guys do decide in a market that you want to bring on new partners, where are you getting your leads from? Are you talking to brokers? Is it all organic? You know, is it all of these families who are like, it's my turn to open one. <laughs> it's all of the above. It's all of the above. I mean, you can, you, you can never really be, um, 
you can't have too many lead sources. Mm. I think the bigger piece is understanding who you're looking for more than anything. Um, but it's it's all of the above. I mean, we we take the online applications and, and inquiries. You know, we we look at those. We go to the trade shows. We get leads from existing brand partners who, you know, uh, are in other brands who you know are telling telling the people in their other brands that hey, this is a, a fantastic uh, brand to join. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Um, you can't have too many sources. It's just being. It's really understanding who it is that you're looking for and being very disciplined in, in selecting, um, you know, the people who fit, uh, fit that. And how much do you think, because Wingstop does incredible brand awareness campaigns. I think that there's a big stigma that if a brand uses the brand fund and runs a Super Bowl ad or runs a CTV ad, it's always for consumer. But how much do you think that plays into franchise development? Like, do you hear your current owners and your new owners saying like, oh, I really liked that ad or I saw, you know, the campaign Wingstop did with the Olympics or whatever it may be? Well, I think our, our existing brand partners, I mean, they they currently, you know, they, they love it because they see the impact that it has on their business. Right. And and you know, how we've continued to, to grow our top line sales and, and continue to have a, a great value proposition from a for a while economic standpoint. And so they see it from that perspective and, and they realize if they keep having the performance that we're having, that it makes sense to continue to grow and scale. But I think, you know, when you think about potential new new brand partners that we're bringing in, I mean, they are consumers uh, before they become a part of the brand. And so I think it does help in that regard. I am literally writing that down because that's such a good way to say it because a lot of times brand dev says, well, I don't want to spend on brand, uh, on brand awareness. It's only for consumer, but you're completely right. They are our consumers before they're development candidates. Exactly. So exactly. you know, you got to make sure you get in front of them there. So I have, you know, we're coming up on time, but I have a couple of big questions. My okay. last one in terms of, you know, kind of deep inside the brand. And I've, I was just wondering this the other day. There was a chicken shortage, the uh, you know, not too long ago. Did you guys feel that on your supply and demand side? Or was that just like a lot of smoke and mirrors of people running out of chicken tenders? <laughs> no, no. I mean, it was it was it was real. I mean, everybody there was a point where you where you saw everybody getting in the wings for a while. And so um, it definitely did, you know, drive uh, drive a shortage. And, and we saw you know, the impacts of that um, in supply um, in pricing and things of that nature. I mean, it's, it's smoothed out now and, and, you know, we are uh, doing very well from that, but um, you know, we, we did feel it. We, we felt it just like everybody else did. Mm -hmm. It was yeah, not smoke and mirrors at all. <laughs> it's important to say that because I, I would have loved for it to have been, but it wasn't. Yeah. A lot of times people think all oh, these big brands, they're immune to it, but it really is a support around it and how you guys can handle that internally. And it was, you know, it's, clearly not at the scale of the pandemic, but it's something that, you know, people might not think about that. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm in wings and there's a chicken shortage now, what? but you can say exactly. we've been through it and we've exactly. you know, we figured exactly. it out. So John, what's next for Wingstop? Aside from the path to 4,000, you know, where do you see Wingstop going in the next five to 10 years? That's interesting. I mean, I think we're, we're still defining what that looks like today. I mean, I think, you know, the, the things that we've stated is, hey, we think, you know, uh, we can get to 4,000 in the U.S. We want to be a top 10 uh, global brand. Those are the things that we're really focused on. And I think it's really charting the path that gets us there. And so as we we've stated that goal and, and, and we're working towards it, it's now creating the, the the different aspects and executing on them to get there. I don't I don't 
that's really it, right? It's it's that has a lot in and of itself when you really think yeah. about it. Um, and so it's it's the work in the background um, that we that we're really focused on is keeping the momentum that we have and continuing to improve that and, and you know finding you know the existing levers that we're that we're pulling and, and continuing to maximize them, but finding out what are those small tweaks um, that we can make that have big impact um, without really throwing away who we are and trying to be something different that we're not. It's staying the course, but finding a way to, to, to really have an impact and, and innovate within who we are. And I like that it's, you know, you guys have this goal and you are fully dedicated to the goal. I think a lot of brands say, I'm going to be in the Forbes 500. I'm going to be whatever it is. And then they kind of go about their daily business. But what it sounds like for you guys is you have a goal and you are going to functionally not only create the steps, but create the whole house around it so that it not only is a dream, but it really becomes a reality for people coming in and out of the brand. Um, you know, if you had a piece of advice to give to someone who, whether it's a candidate or, you know, a corporate employee who wants to get into big brand franchising, wants to get into QSR, you know, what would your advice be? That's a broad, uh, that's <laughs> a broad you, range. How do you succeed at the top of the QSR pinnacle? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know that I have that answer. I'll, I'll say what has helped me have some success um i would say really is having is is believing in the brand that you're that you're representing right whether that's a franchisee whether that's an employee of the brand i mean it's really you know believing in uh that brand because it really it drives the way you make decisions um and when you believe in it then you know you're curious about what makes it what makes it go Right. And the more you learn, the more you understand what makes it go, the more you can put pictures, put the pieces together and see the bigger picture. And then I think, you know, from there, it's, it's really understanding the bigger picture. Right. Because certain things, certain decisions can make sense in a vacuum, given the, the uh, circumstances that you're in at that, that time. But it could also not make sense in the, in the grand scheme of things of what you're trying to accomplish. So I think the third thing would be really understanding the bigger picture. Um, and the why of it all um, so that the decisions you make uh, ladder up to that. I love that. You know, your your level of believing and, and passion about the brand is going to drive, you know, different decisions. And I think that that's a great way to put it. You know, John, thank you so much for coming on. My final question, and it is the hardest one. <laughs> what is your favorite wing flavor? Ooh. Ooh. You know, it's so it's... It, all of them are great. So that's the, that's the toughest piece. That's the, it's um, why I asked. They're all good. <laughs> so, so if you make me put, put, if you make me pick one, um, I would say it's Louisiana rub. Uh, but okay. I've recently, I've really been, uh, I've really been leaning on the spicy Korean Q. So I knew um, we that's were, a, it's we a good honorable mention. Birds of a feather. <laughs> I love it. Well, everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. You can connect with Jonathan Massey on LinkedIn and, of course, check out a Wingstop near you. If you have any questions about franchise development, feel free to contact myself, and I'll put you in touch with uh, Mr. Massey, or, of course, you can go right to him. But either way, uh, thanks for tuning in to the Art of Franchise Marketing, and, Jonathan, we will see you soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Art of Franchise Marketing. This show is brought to you by NetSertive. We help franchise brands and multi-location businesses run localized digital marketing at scale. To learn more, visit netsertive.com.